Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Laws and Grace. I'm Laws. I'm Grace. And today we're here with Aubrey. So I met Aubrey in college. We were both um, at BYU doing the journalism program. And I remember two things about Aubrey. The oh, first, no. well, I remember, I mean, those are the things that stand out, but the first was, I remember you telling me you wanted to be a, a, a political correspondent, I think. War correspondent. Yeah, yeah. war correspondent. That's it. And I remember thinking that is so cool. Like I've never <laughs> met anybody who's like, I want to be a war correspondent. And like, you were so like, I don't know, just very driven. You are very driven. You're a very driven person. But like, I just remember being like, this girl knows what she wants. She knows how to get there. And like, take some notes. Cause I'm over here. Like, I don't know. We'll see what comes. And you're like a war correspondent. Second thing is I remember very early on in our friendship, you talking about how you just always felt a strong pull to adoption. Um, from, and, and I just remember a few passing conversations about you talking, how you just felt very strongly about this concept of adoption. Um, which is actually why we have you on the podcast today is we're going to talk about adoption. But before we dive into that, I feel like there's a few things our audience should know here. Um, and specifically of interest from Lauren's perspective is on your Instagram bio, you say that you're a failed, um, what is it? Failed camper life living. Yes. <laughs> camper life living. And that is a topic that we've talked a little bit about on the podcast before, because as you know, I've actually spent some time out on the road and did the whole van life thing, but we we're more successful than we were, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I don't know if success is the right word, but I think that's an interesting perspective is just like, what was your experience talking about that? So I'm going to spend a few minutes before we jump into adoption. What makes you a failed camper, uh, camper living life person? You know, I think it just depends on your definition of fail, I guess, because we did it, we survived, so that was a success. However, we, our camper broke down, so we moved in in July, like hottest summer, it was boiling, we were building a house while we were living in it, and we were living in the camper on our lot, and we got a lemon, okay, like this camper was a lemon, and the pipes just completely burst, like we had to remodel the whole thing several times to try and fix it so it was just so bad the air conditioning wouldn't work um we had so we had two three-year-olds and a newborn <laughs> during this time and it was just miserable and then as soon as winter hit our heater completely gave out so we lived in the camper for approximately four months until we had to start couch jumping because we could not keep our kids in this condition so we lived in probably at least eight different homes in this time. Like we would just spend a week or a couple days or whatever, um, just jumping from house to house. We'd house sit while um, people went on vacation for the holidays. Like we were just couch jumping at its finest. Um, and man, I will never do it again. <laughs> would I have a camper just to travel in? sure but I want to stay a night in it and then know that I can go home and take a shower that's warm <laughs> and be comfortable and yeah so camper life living is not always Instagram um worthy <laughs> that is true <laughs> that is true and I think it's I mean the fact that you're even willing to attempt it I think is cool but also I think it's even like 
it's so brave of you to be like, it wasn't for us and that's okay. Like what's funny though, is that actually happened right after I had quit my job at KSL. I was producing for them and, um, I couldn't do it anymore with the three kids. Cause I was working the 5am show. And so overnights were killing me. And so I had this moment of, I think it was like a quarter life crisis where I'm like, I just gave up my dream. Like I want to be a war correspondent still. And now I just like closed that door. What am I going to do? Like, it was just a really big crisis for me because I did, I had all my goals that I worked for and I knew what I wanted since fourth grade, like all these things that I had fought for. And I just closed that door. And so I think the camper was kind of my quarter life crisis. Like I can't be a, a war correspondent. Like I need to do something with my life. Like, and apparently that's, that was the option, which I regret. <laughs> I don't, it, I don't regret. it was a good adventure, but I won't do it again. Well, it does feel you- like an option in crisis though. I'm like, I feel like you're not the only one to think my life is going a certain way. What if I live in a van or a camper? <laughs> I'm gonna live in I mean, down by the river. Okay. That, that was me. I was like, I don't, I don't know about this. Let's, let's go out on the road for a little bit, but I loved it. I advocate for it all the time. Students just giving up and moving into the end. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I knew pretty quickly. I was like, I don't want to do broadcasts, but what do I want to do? I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I actually, I know, I know we have you on to talk about adoption, but I'd actually love to hear more about your experience with like why you wanted to be a war correspondent. I think that's interesting. What was that like for you to be like, this is what I'm going to do. And you had this dream. And now all of a sudden you're like, I've got a bunch of kids. I, my focus, my life has changed a little bit. And yeah, it was interesting because I felt like the more I fought for what I thought I wanted, the less like it was working out, if that makes sense. So like in my head, I knew like I had to take these classes. I had a major in this. I minored in global studies. Um, I went and did um, a few weeks at a military camp to learn, you know, that kind of stuff. And it was amazing. It was some of the best time of my life. And I, I wanted to join the military and I even went to go enlist because I thought that that was the best way to become a war correspondent. And for some reason, as I went to sign the papers, like I just got really sick feeling like you can't, this isn't what you're supposed to do. This isn't the right path. Not that it wasn't a good path. It just wasn't the path I was supposed to be on. And um, so it was really odd because the more I fought for it and the more I thought I was doing the right thing, it just, I kept feeling like roadblocks were hitting me and like turning me other directions. And I had always wanted to adopt. Um, In high school, I started a bank or like a savings account for adoption. So other people were like putting money in for, you know, trips or college or whatever and I had my savings account where I just put you know a few dollars every month in it for adoption and I don't I can't even tell you exactly what motivated that except I just felt really passionate about adoption I knew that I could love a child that I didn't like birth I just knew it um and I've always really loved kids and um and so in my head it made sense. Like I just needed to save up for it. And so I had that going on, but I was still fighting for this path. I wanted to be successful, you know, business-wise. I wanted to have a good career. Um, And so that's kind of what I was going for. But then in the back, I was doing other things that were, 
not huge in my life, I guess, but were still steering me other directions. And so when I met my husband, actually, when we were dating, I told him, I'm like, well, if you want to date me, you need to know I'm going to be a war correspondent. And um, I am possibly entering the military. Like I'm still trying to decide. Um, and so that's something that you can put up with. And I also said, I'm like, and I'm going to adopt. And so if you're okay with those things, then we can continue to date. That's fine. <laughs> and, and he was like, sweet. I am fine with all of that. Like, it's good. Let's go. He really loves the military as well. And um, so we just kept, you know, going along. We um, got married and we, well, we got married when we had, um, I had a semester left of school and he had two semesters left of school. And, um, and so that's kind of where we got married and plans kind of started to change a little bit because I got pregnant <laughs> and I'm like, well, shoot, like this wasn't the plan. Like I was wanting to adopt and, um, I, um, wanted a career, which is really hard as soon as you start having kids. Um, and funny story, I was probably six months along and we went out to dinner with some friends and, um, this friend said to me, like, I cannot believe you're pregnant. Like you just threw your whole life away. Like you're never going to be able to do any fun things. You're never going to be able to go on trips. You're never going to be able to actually enjoy life because you chose to have a kid. And I was so offended because <laughs> I'm like, well, a kid isn't like a shackle. Like it, you can do these things with your kids. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. And, and my husband was super upset about this and he, and we had this conversation and it was a really good kind of conversation opener of, okay, we still want to do these things. Like we still have these goals and we can do them with our kids. And I still am a firm believer of that. I still like the goals I want to accomplish, I go for, and my kids do it along with me and it's teaching them that they can have goals and that they can fight for these things. I don't feel like it needs to be all or nothing. And I'm a firm believer in that. Um, but so as we were kind of shifting our goals and kind of working around um, being pregnant and I had had a miscarriage right before this as well um, that was unplanned. And so um, we were kind of just figuring out like what is going on and I kept having this dream that was so vivid and I laugh when I like people laugh at me all the time when I explain this but I just kept having this super vivid dream over and over again of a little boy with black hair and a little girl with brown hair and they were holding hands and playing and running around and um I I just knew that those were my kids and um I I can't even explain it. Like I just knew it. And then I hadn't really told anybody except Matt. And then my mom comes up to me and goes, I just keep having the funniest dream. I keep having a dream that I'm holding two grandbabies at the same time. And one's a little boy and one's a little girl. And one has black hair and one has brown hair. And I'm like, me too. <laughs> and then, so we talked about that. And then, um, a few weeks later, my brother's like, I just had the funniest dream. Like you had twins. It was crazy. It was a little boy and a little girl. And it was like vivid for him too. And I was like, 
I'm, it, I'm having twins. Like I just knew. And this is before I had had an ultrasound. I'm like, I'm having twins. I know it. And um, we went in for the ultrasound at 20 weeks and it was one little girl. And I said to the ultrasound tech, no, it's not. Check again. There's a little boy. <laughs> and she's like, no, it's just one. It's just a little girl. And I'm like, mm, no. I'm like, how often are these wrong? <laughs> and she's like, well, not, you know, it's pretty accurate or whatever. I'm like, okay, sure. And so we left and I was just super confused. And I'm like, I don't get it. I know that there's two. And um, my husband thought I was crazy. And I started looking for stuff to buy, like car seats and cribs. And I started just buying two of everything. And I'm like, I need to have two because we're going to have two. And he's like, Aubrey, there's only one baby. <laughs> like, okay, but he just like, let me go along with it. So, and we're like on this college budget. Like we had crappy jobs. We were both working student jobs at the time, actually. And um, I, we had no money and I, I'm just sitting here buying two of all of these baby products. And um, when I was around like 25 weeks, I think, we had um, a friend approach us. Um, it was actually her mom and was like, she's pregnant. She wants to place the baby. Would you guys be willing to adopt her baby? And I was like, yes. Like, it was just like automatic. And me and Matt like said it at the same time, like in unison, both of us were just like, yes, like we want to. And she's like, okay, like it's still kind of like, early stages de deciding this but this is what we feel good and we talked a couple more times and so I'm like this is it like this is it like she's gonna have a boy and it this was what I'd been dreaming about and everyone thought we were crazy but I'm like see I told you guys <laughs> and so we started preparing more um we had we got our home study done um we got um we found a lawyer so that we could do, um, uh, uh, why can't I think of the name? Whatever, whatever this type of adoption is, <laughs> not through an agency. Why am I forgetting this name? I talk about it all the time. It's fine. Um, and that, I'm trying to remember. What is it? Private adoption? Private. Oh my gosh. Private. Private adoption. So I found a lawyer. Um, we started the paperwork. We got our background check. We got fingerprinted. We had our um, questionnaire, which is like a 20 page questionnaire. You guys, they ask the weirdest questions on this thing. Like it is insane, but it's like so in depth. Like we're giving our, the childhood background of each of our parents. We're giving like our relationship as children with our siblings versus adults with our siblings. We're giving um, like how our parents were disciplined, how our parents disciplined us. Like all questions that make sense, but I'm like, man, like we're going back generations to understand the dynamic of the families and like they asked our opinions on lots of topics and this is just for a private adoption and but the home study um I can't remember what agency we did it through but they just had such an in-depth questionnaire and then we had to have friends um we could only have one relative and we had to have two friends each so six people total write recommendation letters for us. So all these things that we got done. And 
um, we're now getting really close to the due date. So I'm like 38 weeks and we, we haven't heard from our friend in a really long time. Like several you're, you're pregnant, about to have your first baby still in college and <laughs> going through a private adoption. Yes. We, like, I tell you, I am just chaos. And this is, this is proof that I have ADHD. Okay. Like here is where this comes into play. Cause this is my, my whole life. Like I'm always doing crazy things. And, um, I, this is what I tell people, like, this is one of the benefits of ADHD. It allows you to do many things at once. <laughs> and so, um, we hadn't heard from them and, about 38 weeks, she messages me and says, I don't want to go through with the adoption. Um, she's like, I just don't, I, I feel like we're too close as friends that this would be really hard. And I a hundred percent understand that because I cannot imagine how hard that would be, um, to be an expectant mom and eventually birth mom placing your child. And then having a close relationship with them, but not being able to be their parent. Like that would be so, so hard. And then she found out that she was having a girl. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't think that was our baby anyway. Like, it was just like this weird, like, okay, you're right. Like, this isn't right. And we, I still, I am so supportive of her and I just love her so much. And we've talked a lot about adoption since then. And, um, so after this, I had my oldest, we kind of focused on her for a little bit because she was a newborn and it was a crazy transition in life. And, um, but it just felt really weird. Like I brought her into her room and there's two cribs in there and it just felt like, something was missing and which is hard to explain because we were so ecstatic for this little girl that was just so spunky and hilarious from day one and um so I made a word document a couple weeks after she she was probably a month old and I made a word document that just introduced our family so it was one page and it was just like hi we're the bosons um here's about Matt, a paragraph about Matt, paragraph about me, paragraph about Tay, and like, this is who we are. And it was right at the time that adoption.com was giving free profiles. And so I had made a profile there, but I didn't really do anything with it because you could pay to have it like broadcasted. But I'm like, I don't feel right about that. Like we have a newborn. It's not like I'm like panicking to have a kid. I just feel like something is wrong. And um, I feel like someone's missing. And so I had this Word document and that was sent out and it happened to come across this lawyer. And there's a lot of like in-between cross, like crazy circumstances where um, I had tried to find him. Someone had recommended him to me and I couldn't find this lawyer anywhere. And um, he then found me, which was bizarre. And he emailed me and I, and he's like, well, I heard you've been having kind of a weird dream. And I'm like, yeah, I have. <laughs> and I kind of, I told him like this dream. I'm like, I know it's weird, but I just have been feeling like there's another kid. He's like, cool. Send me your profile. Sent him the profile. 
didn't hear back from him, like nothing. And then my friend that does a lot of work with adoption agencies messaged me a profile of another kid and said, this little boy is three months old. He's looking for a family. The family wants to meet you guys. And I'm like, he doesn't have black hair. Like it's not right. <laughs> and it felt weird. Like uh, we're, we're LDS and we went to the temple and we're praying about it so hard. And, and both me and my husband came out and we're like, it's not our kid. Like we can't go meet them. It's not fair. Like he's not ours, but both of us had this super strong feeling, get ready. He's coming. And we're just like, what in the world? Like nothing was seeming to line up. Like it was just felt like chaos. And, um, so we were, so th at this point, our oldest was two months old and, or two and a half months old when we went and did that. And so another week passes or so, and we're driving and I just had this really strong feeling and it's Saturday. And I look over at Matt and I said, so this is in September. I'm like, we're going to have another baby before Christmas. And he just laughed at me and I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like he's coming. And he just laughed at me. So the next day was Sunday and we were sitting at church and my phone started going off and it was an unknown number, which I usually don't answer, but I'm just like, I got to answer it. And I just like jumped out of like the pew and like raced out and answered it. And it was the lawyer. And he's like, hi, is this Aubrey? And I'm like, yes. And he goes, are you still wanting to adopt? And I'm like, yes. And he goes, well, a mom is in labor right now. She's dilated to a seven. Do you want to adopt her baby? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay, would you want to ask your husband? I'm like, nope. Yep. Like this is it. <laughs> and he's like, go ask your husband um, and call me back. I'm like, okay. So I run into the church and you know, like there's a, a speaker or whatever. And I just like, look at my husband. I'm like, you like, like point out. I'm like, come on, I need to talk to you. And everyone's like looking over at us and he comes running out. And I'm like, there's a baby being born right now. We didn't know anything about it. Like, we didn't know boy or girl. We didn't know what he looks like. We didn't know who the mom was. Like, we knew nothing except that she had seen our profile. And um, I'm like, this is it. And he's like, wow, I think you're right. Like, yeah. But he was kind of like, he's more cautious than I am. I'm just like, I'm all in. This is it. <laughs> and so we call him back and um, we find out it's a boy. And I said, okay. And he's like, now just wait in Utah like I'll tell you when to fly out I'm like but she's in labor right now and he's like yeah but we don't have all the details I'll tell you when to fly out I'm like mm -hmm, okay cool so I bought a ticket and flew to Kansas <laughs> <laughs> he was being born in Arkansas and so it was just a few hours away from where he was being born and so um I like flew out that night I'm like I'm not waiting this is dumb and so um I flew out and long story short, I, and I had the privilege because I flew to Kansas instead of Arkansas. Um, when my son was born, he was born in a tiny little hospital. And so they had to life flight him because he was super preemie. And, um, I shouldn't say super preemie. They thought he was super preemie. I don't think he was as preemie as he was, but anyway, they life flighted him to the children's hospital in Little Rock. Um, but his, birth parents lived right in between where I was and where the hospital was and they didn't have a car and so I was able to drive from Kansas and pick them up and we drove together um, to the children's hospital which was three hours away and we got to sit and talk 
And that was the first time we got to meet. And it was the most terrifying experience I've ever had in my life because here are these people right here that are going through something so hard. And this is where adoption is hard for me because the only people that really benefit from adoption are the adoptive parents. Um, and it, a lot of people think like, oh my gosh, you guys are so, like I've been told so many times, you guys are so great. Like that is so awesome that you adopted him and gave him this family. And you guys are just such a great family and such a great couple to be willing to do this. No, like he just, like even though he's a newborn baby, he's experiencing trauma. Like everything he has known for the seven and seven and a half months that she was pregnant with him, he has lost all of that. Babies know smells, they know sounds, they know their environment and to be taken from that is traumatic. And, and so it's really hard for me when people say that because I'm like, I'm the only one benefiting here. I'm gaining something and everyone else is losing something. And um, that was really hard to come to grasp with because I hadn't thought about it until that moment. And I was very naive for as gung-ho and in this as I was, I was so naive. And here I had done so much research, but you can only read so much. Most of the research that gets neglected is the emotional side of everything that's happening and it gets forgotten. And, um, and so sitting there in the car for three hours talking to them, there was a little bit of a language barrier. Um, not, an, not a lot, like one of them was fluent in English, one wasn't, um, but just not com like confident in it. And so I was sitting there going, I don't know if I'm ever gonna see them again. I don't know if they want an open adoption. We didn't have time to talk about any of this. Like, so I'm sitting there asking them questions like, what's your favorite color? Um, what's your favorite animal? Like stupid questions. Cause I'm like, I wanna be able to know this so that if one day my son asks me about them, say we don't get to see them again, I wanna be able to have these answers for him. And because I all of a sudden registered, like I am taking him away from what he was born to. And um, it was a really sweet tender moment. Um, when his mom at the time, because we hadn't finalized, so she was still his mom. And um, he, she picked up Taylin, my oldest, and was holding her and was just like, they're gonna be siblings. I'm like, yeah, they are. And um, she's like, she was just cuddling Taylin. And as we were making our way to the hospital and when we got into the hospital, um, it's weird, like hospitals don't, fully know how to handle adoption. It's weird. Um, it's not natural. Um, and so we go in together um, and we got to walk up to meet Tice together. And um, both of us just kind of held a hand and we're just watching him. And it was this very surreal experience because I knew in that moment that I was not enough for him. He needed us both. And there was no way that I was going to prevent him from knowing who he was because my genealogy, my history is different from his and that's okay. And so by adopting him, I'm not just adopting this human. I am adopting his history. 
I am adopting his problems that he may have. I am adopting his trauma. I am adopting health problems. Like I am adopting all of this and I am accepting it. And I am going to be his biggest supporter. And that is what I promised him in that moment. And, and, and part of that is acknowledging that he has more family than what I can give him. And, and I will never ever keep him from them or them from him. And so I didn't know what the logistics of that were. I, cause it's weird and every situation is different, but I knew that I loved his birth mom so much, so, so much. And I do, and I would do anything for her. And I have, <laughs> and, um, and our relationship has evolved and molded over the years, but I am so determined to keep that promise that I made to Tice. And um, I let her have all of the firsts because she earned them. And so it sounds funny, but I'm like, you change his diaper first. Like you're the first one that should be doing these things because you were the first person in his life. And I cannot replace that, nor do I want to. Um, and I think that's a hard thing that in adoption, as an adoptive parent, a lot of times we're coming in trying to fill a void. But we can't do that with these kids. Kids are not void fillers. And, um, and I get that I had a different situation by being able to have a child as well, biologically. But I just am such a firm believer that these kids are not void fillers. And just the same way that by birthing a child, I'm accepting any health conditions or any problems or whatever may come with that child, I'm doing the same thing with adoption. Um, I'm just accepting the kids. And, and as a parent, our role is to be there for them. We are, they shouldn't have to feel like we've saved them from anything. They don't owe us anything. They just were born. And this is the circumstance they were born into. And so it's not my job to make them feel like they owe me. And so um, it was a really, really interesting experience because we were in the NICU with him for two weeks. I, they, I, I was alone. Matt couldn't fly out with me because he couldn't get work off. So he was coming a couple days later. My dad flew out with me and then um, drove down with me, but then he had to go back. So I was in the NICU by myself and I had Taylin with me who was three months old. And in the NICU, you can't have little kids under, I think, 12? It might be older. Like, kids under 12 are not allowed in the NICU. It, un, like, non-biological people are not allowed in the NICU. Um, we aren't supposed to spend the night in the NICU. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm by myself. I have a three-month-old kid. And I have a newborn. And how am I supposed to care for both of them? Because I can't just leave him here by himself. He needs to know that he is loved. He needs to know that he's not alone because he just lost everything he knows and he needs comfort. And those NICU nurses are incredible, but they do not have the capacity to give 100% to one child. And so I met the most, I'm gonna start crying because I just love them so much. <laughs> I met the most incredible women that were our NICU nurses. And um, 
I was panicking and they said, let me go talk to the hospital board. So they went to the very top. We got permission for Taylin to sleep in the NICU with me. I got permission to sleep in the NICU and we got a private room with just, I mean, private, it was like a fishbowl. Like it's just like a sliding glass door that everyone can see in everything, but like our own little space for just me, Taylin and Tyrese. And every rule was broken and given exception for us. And I just could not believe that that had happened. Like, what are the chances that I could meet the people that had the pull to help this happen? And all of them were like, this is bizarre. Like, we've never seen this. Like, this is not normal. And we were able to spend two weeks. They brought in a little NICU bed for Taylor and she filled out the whole thing, like head to toe. But they had, they brought in stuff for her to sleep and they were incredible, like the staff there. And anyway, so that was, that was kind of the beginning of our adoption journey and not what I was expecting. And I have to say, people don't realize that postpartum depression in adoption is a thing. Cause you think of it as being like your hormones changing during pregnancy and like whatnot. No, postpartum depression in adoption is real and it's intense. Um, and I think a lot of it was guilt that I felt. I've never felt more guilty than recognizing the trauma that I had caused in a way, not that I had forced it, it was happening, but I was part of it and I hated that. And um, having two kids <laughs> that were three months apart, like both fully needing me, um, I, before his birth mom left, um, I asked, um, I asked her because I was producing so much milk and I was, I had actually been trying to figure out how to lessen my milk supply right before this happened. And she saw that I was nursing and she was like, you should nurse him. And so I had a conversation with her about that. I'm like, is that uncomfortable for you if I nurse both of them? And she goes, no, like, let him have that. And so I was able to nurse both kids, which was intense. I was a, a human cow. Like, <laughs> it was crazy. But like, I was able to have these opportunities that are rare, but really special. And, um, and I was, and he had so many wires hooked up to him. And I just felt like I was going to break him because he was so tiny. And, um, and so it was different because with a pregnancy, you have that whole pregnancy to bond with your child. You've created a life with them. You've created a future with them. Like you have goals and ideals for them. And so you feel like, you know, this little human before you actually get to see them. And with adoption, especially our case where we weren't matched until that day that he was born. And, um, and so you have to start, like you have to restart that bonding process. Sorry, this is just like the longest story. But um, so that was, that was different, trying to figure out how to bond. And, I could, and, and now I've been able to learn a lot because here we are seven years later, we just adopted his biological baby brother who's now 11 months. And I can see the difference because with our older one, with Tice, 
he had lost everything all at once. With, with Tobin, when we adopted him, his birth mom and six of his siblings actually moved in with us. So we had all of them living with us. And it was so interesting to see the difference between Tobin, who still had his familiar, familiar smells and sounds and, and craziness around him, um, versus Tice, who didn't. He was completely left um, in silence, really, because we're in the NICU, like a sterile NICU environment. And, um, and it was so crazy to see finally, or I guess finally like recognize how Tice had been working easier for Tobin because he had both of us. So he went from what he knew to slowly learning more sounds and smells and he didn't have to just start from scratch. It was really fascinating and really important. And, um, and I'm, I just am so grateful that we had that experience because that's not normal. Um, we are just bizarre. And, <laughs> but like, it was so special. And, um, and one of my, one saying I always say is blood doesn't make a family. Um, and it's not just because we've adopted in Tobin. It's because their families are family too. I just was, we're adopting you guys too. Like we are all a family now. And I loved that because I believe that. And we all are so crucial in their lives. And, um, and it's been very, it's, we've had so many hard things happen. Like it, open adoption is so hard sometimes, but it's so worth it. I 110%, if you can have an open adoption, have an open adoption because it's not for you, it's for the kids. Um, but it's so valuable to them because it is part of their identity, whether we like to think it or not, like it, it is part of their identity. And um, seeing the way that Tice has been able, seeing them in person, like the growth that Tice had this year was so crazy and amazing. And, and I attribute that to being able to reconnect with part of himself that he has had to like kind of put on the back burner. And so anyway, there is our crazy, that, that went crazy from, you know, camper life to that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of how we got into adoption. And, and I got to say, like, it is intense, like war corresponding would have been like super intense. This was its own version of crazy, especially like we had 11 kids living in our home for a time that I was parenting. And that's a lot. That was a lot of kids. Yeah. Like, but I, yeah, I was really happy when with just two kids that felt like a great number. And, you know, now we are parenting, now we're legally parents of five of them and we're permanent guardians of another. And plus we have um, one of the 20 year old, the 20 year old brother living with us. And so we have seven kids living with us right now. Um, and then four of the ones that had been staying with us moved back with their birth family. And, but that, that span of time that we had <laughs> 11 kids, that was, I, I was crazy. Like I, it was, it was hard. <laughs> and, um, and I didn't know how to be a human and take care of them at the same time. Like it was very hard balance because my whole life, 
was devoted to making sure that, you know, these kids got to school, they got, they were able to do, you know, cultivate their talents that they like all these different things like they were fed, feeding that many people is crazy. But like, it's been really incredible um, to see just bringing in that biology and showing ties. I felt like I was keeping my promise. Like I told you I would do anything to help you um, grow and feel connected to your family and to not feel like you lost anything. And, and that I, I promised you that I would adopt all of your history and all of your family. And to me, this was my way of keeping that promise. And so that I can look him in the face and say, I love every part of you, not just the parts that I've created. I love every part of you. And, um, and so it, it felt like a very big fulfilling promise to show him I meant it. It wasn't just words. And so we don't have them all with us now, but we have a few of them and it's still, I'm just, I, I love adoption. I hate adoption um, and everything in between. And, you know, uh, there's no, there's no good guidelines for adoption. Every agency is different. Some of them are scammers. <laughs> One of our lawyers is in prison right now because of stuff he was doing in other adoptions. Luckily, we weren't part of that because I researched my adoption so fully to make sure we weren't part of it. But he, um, he's in prison and he deserves it, like, frankly. Um, and, you know, like, there's, there's so few um, restrictions on adoption that that's why so many hard things happen. And it's a problem and it needs to change. And um, I think part of it is recognizing and making adoption about the kids again. Because right now it's, it's not. It's about really the adoptive families. And I'm saying that as an adoptive family, um, that's, that's the only person benefiting right now. And sure, sometimes it needs to happen, but there, it, it's just, things need to be reformed, so. I think this has been, I, I've really enjoyed this. Like one, just hearing your experiences. I've seen like bits and pieces through social media, but to hear you like openly talk about it has been really like intriguing and, and captivating for me. And I am sure our listeners will be intrigued as well. Um, first thought, you're very wise. Like, I feel like you're going into this experience and just the outlook you've had on this, I think is, is speaks to your character. Like, I don't think many people could go into that situation, be three months postpartum, be adopting, you know, and look at it and, and address the situation in the way you have. So I think kudos to you. I know it probably wasn't as easy as you made it sound, but <laughs> um, I just, I've been very impressed with, with how you've approached the situation. Um, but also I, I think I, I just lost my thought. Dang it. Well, <laughs> well you are very wise. That's what I was gonna say. But, um, you, I think your, your situation is really unique. Like it's really cool. It's kind of cool to hear that experience because the little bits I've heard about adoption are very much like the legal process is really difficult. The like interview, the application, all of that stuff, the costs, like, um, so it was really cool to hear your experience in terms of it doesn't have to be, I mean, it is like, it is difficult, but like, I don't know. It's just, that was a really cool. That's basically, yeah. I just was called. Yeah. Um, 
Do you think there are cases, you kind of hinted at this too, where it is better for the kid to not have contact with birth parents? I think there's definite, I think it's definitely case by case. Um, my opinion on that, which is strictly opinion, because I've only had my experience. Um, if it is possible to have it open, have it open. If the kids want it open, it should be the kid's choice. But uh, like ultimately at some, like growing up years, they're too young to make that choice. But um, if it's, if the kid's safety is a, uh, is, is a worry, then it should be closed. But um, I, I feel like there's very few cases where it should be permanently closed. I feel like there should always be some sort of avenue that if the child wants to get in contact with their birth family, they should have that option. And maybe they need to be a little older depending on the case, maybe not. But if it's ever the adoptive family that's standing in the way, then it should be open. Um, which is hard because that takes a lot of introspection because you have to be able to be humble enough to recognize that you aren't everything your child needs. And that's hard um, because you want to be like, as a parent, you want to be able to fulfill everything that they need and to take care of that. And it's, and, and that's just not the case all the time. And so if it's ever the adoptive parent that is standing in the way, then you need to move, move out of the way, open that door again. Um, I, you know, some, sometimes it's hard because, um, when we're around, um, biological siblings that don't live with us, as soon as we have to separate or go back to our homes, it's very hard because I notice that my kids react for a few days. It's kind of like they have to readjust to normalcy. Um, and, and that's really hard. So sometimes it's not all, you know, adult, open adoption is not all like flowers and butterflies. Like there are a lot of hard things that happen, but it's kind of weighing the good, better, best, you know, or crap. <laughs> is this crap? Then close it. But if, if it's just hard, like it's going to be hard, I guess. I don't know if this is making any sense, but it's going to be hard. It is hard. Um, it, I, if there is an easy adoption out there, like, oh my gosh, you're so lucky, but, um, it, it's hard, um, on all sides, everyone's going to experience that hard, but it's being willing to push past that hard for what the best avenue is, what the best result could be. And, and really that's just what is best for the kid. What are some things you learned about adopting or being a guardian over older kids versus babies? My, um, my joke that I share. So we have, a, so we're guardian of a 17 year old and I just absolutely adore her so much, but it is hard bringing in a child that you haven't raised from the beginning that know your expectations, that know your rules, that know like how you handle conflict. Um, and especially bringing in a child that has had a lot of trauma and is working through not only being a teenager, but trauma that they've had throughout their life. Like it is a lot of things. And, and so she, she's just, she's just so incredible, but, um, I'm just so proud of her. And, but I always joke at baby showers now. I'm like, when deciding 
how many kids you would like to have. First decide how many teenagers you're willing to have and then go from there <laughs> because teenagers are rough. Um, but one of the big things that has been helpful, I think, for us is open communication. I tell her what my expectations are and I ask her to tell me what her expectations are because I want to know what her agenda is and I want her to know what my agenda is, which sounds like is, it's kind of a hard word, agenda. Like what are, what are you wanting out of this? So when I approach a conversation with her, I, I try and tell her outright, okay, this is what we need to talk about. And, and I have her be, we've been able to open communication after a lot of work and her say, you know, when you did this, this was very difficult for me. When you said it like this, when you raised your voice, it brought me back to this negative space that I had come from. And so we work from there. And so I can't do things the same way that I would with the kids that I've raised from infancy because she has had different experiences than I've had. And so I think when I'm able to put aside my pride and recognize that I'm not always going to be the all-knowing adult um, because I'm not. <laughs> I go to therapy, which is very helpful, and she's the one that helps me through a lot of this. Um, but when I can set aside my own pride and listen to what her goals in life are, recognize that they might not be the goals that I would want for her, but what are her goals? What does she want out of this? That is what we try and follow and we go from there and our relationship is so much healthier now that we've been able to kind of find that way of working together versus working against each other. I'd love to like really high level, just kind of hear what the process of adoption is. Like, where do you start? Like, you know what I mean? Like adoption.com or like what? what's the process like what people that are considering adoption what can they expect along the process what are some tips that you wish you would have known like as you started the process yeah. so obviously our situation was a little bit different than most people that are going into the adoption process um I get asked this is my most I, I get dms all the time people asking me this question and it's hard to answer because there's so many different ways because you got to consider are you willing to foster to adopt but recognize that foster care, the purpose is reunification. Um, and that should be number one priority. Um, but it's the cheapest way, which is the saddest way to say that. Like, it's the truth. Um, because really adoption is about money, which is disgusting. And it's really a form of human trafficking when you get down to the, like, fine details of it. And, and so you got to recognize that. Um, it's legal human trafficking, which is disgusting. So anyway, I have a lot of feelings about that. <laughs> but um, then you have adoption through an agency, um, which they can set their fee wherever they want. And it is expensive. And they determine their fee by a lot of different factors, which is also disgusting because different races are different pricing, which is disgusting. Um, genders it's just, it's a mess. Um, one of the benefits of adopting through an agency is, I mean, not every agency, but this is one of the things I tell people to look for. How do they treat the birth family? 
do they offer counseling? Do they offer um, help as far as like, is, is part of the money going towards living expenses? Is it going towards food for them? Be, um, what, like, where is the money going that you're paying them? So I highly recommend getting a cost breakdown, like detailed cost breakdown to know exactly where every dollar is that you're giving them. Um, but that is a huge benefit is that it can help birth families. So make sure that's a thing. Um, you can adopt through a lawyer acting as an agency. I don't recommend that one. That, <laughs> that I feel like there's too many um, loopholes that they can get through. Um, they act like they're gonna be helping the birth family, I think. In my experience, they say they are, but not a lot of help goes to them. Um, so, it kind of just depends like that sounds really negative but you got to understand that like you got to be very aware of the negative things so that you can avoid them um and that's my biggest piece of advice is I probably always sound like a negative Nancy even though like adoption has been a big part of our family and I'm so grateful for it like you got to be aware of all the crap because that's the only way to fight it and that's the only way to try and change and reform how adoption is done because it's just, there, there's several countries out there that don't even have adoption. Like it's not a thing. And, and you know, this is why. So I, my biggest advice is be aware of all the ethical issues that could arise. Make sure that you ask hard questions. Um, make sure that the birth or the expectant family, because they're not a birth family until after they sign the papers. Um, so up until you've signed the papers to finalize, they are the family or the expectant family if they're pregnant. Um, so make sure you talk to them and, and make sure that they know what adoption is, because I've heard of cases where um, lawyers have told uh, expectant moms that you can get your kid back when they turn 18 but these people will just help raise it to save you money like that's a problem so make sure that you're asking and getting to know the expectant families and know what their expectations are um and and so those are kind of like my big red flags to look for um and and to ask about but always ask questions always be aware Always make sure that things are happening ethically. Um, know where your money is going, know what it's benefiting um, and make sure that the expectant family has resources available because they need to have the option for counseling um, for not just like one counseling session, but like help them through this transition because this is not easy. Um, foster care is a whole different ballgame. Um, we have had a small um, experience with foster care just this last year um, where we did kinship foster care and um, it is not easy, not easy. These social workers are overworked. Um, they don't have time. Um, it, it's supposed to be about the kids, but there's so many kids in foster care and not enough people fighting for them. And so um, it's just a mess. Um, so yeah, 
just be aware that that's going to be hard, but you're doing an amazing thing if you're willing to take in kids and love them and show them love um, and do it in a way with a pure heart versus a way to get a monthly stipend. I know too many experiences where the monthly stipend, stipend you get from foster care isn't used for the kid. Like that's just, there's so many loopholes. And so um, I guess it just all goes back to like, this is about the kid. This is about the one person in the adoption triad that has no say over their future. Like they're the only child or the only person in the triad that has no say over the future, yet they're the ones affected the most. And, um, and so if you can remember that and fight for that. And so when you go through adoption, recognize that, like if you're adopting a child that's a different race than you, be aware of that, find mirrors for them, be around people that look like them because they're gonna know that they don't look like you. They need people to look at, to be able to see like, okay, look how awesome they are. Like they're successful, this is great. Like they look like me, like we can be friends, like whatever, like it, it's a big deal. It is. And um, so I think that's super important. Um, make sure that you're incorporating parts of their culture into your life. Like you're now living for this child. Like, yes, you need to have your own life as an adult. Like you need to be able to have to, you know, fill your cup to be able to help other people, but um, make sure that you're incorporating part of their culture because you've now accepted that by bringing them into your family. And, um, and so that's, that's something to think about as well. Um, I know of a family that was adopting and when they went, when the baby was born, they went to the hospital to get her and she was born with some defects and they just turned around and walked out. Like if you are signing up to adopt, you are adopting that everything that comes with that child, you do not get like, it's the same way as birthing a child. Like if they're born with a defect, what are you going to do? Like, you can't just walk away. And so, um, anyway. I really appreciate you putting this so bluntly because I've heard a lot of these different things, like from different pieces of stories and like Facebook groups and, and different things. But I'm like, you kind of compacted it all into <laughs> <laughs> like, a quick list and that it, it like it really should be put bluntly because it is like a human like yeah. you said it's a human life that's like being taken from one situation and being put in another one yeah and uh troll yeah and I think a lot of us if not all of us had a different idea of adoption in our heads before we started learning more or maybe for some people before they listen to this podcast um because it is kind of painted as a Altruistic now that I've scared thing. so many people. Yeah. <laughs> I, really liked, I really liked how you said, like, it's not to fill a void. Well, like, and I, I get what you're saying there in terms of it. Like, it's not to like make your life. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. My, my interpretation of that was like, it's not just to fill a void in your life. It's like for the benefit of the kid. Yeah. And like, I, I think that was kind of cool. Cause it is something like, I hear people all the time being like, oh, you should consider adoption and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, if, if I'm going down the adoption route, like, I need to make sure I'm doing it for the right reasons. And that like, I'm like you said, like you're adopting a kid. Like, it's not just like, oh, well, I need a new dog or a new purse or, you know, it's like <laughs> you're adopting everything with that. And I, I really appreciated that. Like, 
I think yeah. that's good advice for parenthood in general, like, right? Really, though. I think I too many people, like, do not have a kid in any way, you know, any way you get a kid, do not have them to fill a void because yeah. you are, like you said, whatever, however they come. whoever kid is not a thing. Yeah. <laughs> and they're not, they don't give you purpose either, right? It's mm-hmm. like they are a little inv- individual that you are responsible for the rest of your life because even past when they turn 18 and and like you said it's like I think some people want babies again whether they have them through their own body or not they like want babies and they're not thinking about the ramifications of raising an entire human other people suggesting it like oh well you should just adopt have you considered adoption you should adopt and it's like thank you for that but I don't know in in the right setting I think that conversation but like Ugh. it's not a replacement it's, it's not, not a replacement. replacement it's not yeah it's anyway and so that, I, really, I think that would be my big advice is like when if you were in a situation where you're considering adoption adoption ask yourself like do I have space in my heart to love this child that did not come from me like do I have space in my heart to fully give to them versus you know trying to fill a void or whatnot because you know like I sat down with a lady one time and her job, this is an actual job. Her job is to help, not help, but to deal with the parents that have adopted a child that have changed their mind. So the adoption has already been finalized. When you sit in court and finalize, the judge says, you now have taken this child as yours. Like no matter, like mine even said, like in your will and whatever, like this child is the same as any child that you birthed. And, I, and I'm like, yeah, obviously. Like that, and that was my thought, but then I'm talking to a woman where her job is to help, or I I hate that word help because she's not helping, but, um, to deal with these families that have now changed their mind after the finalization process has been completed and to take those children and to rehome them. Like they are pets. Like it's, I, I have so many problems with that. Like, it's so important that you ask yourself can I love this child, whether I have biological children or not? Um, can I love them to the same capacity? And frankly, can you love them more than yourself? Because that's what being a parent is. Um, I firmly believe that. Can you love this pers- child more than yourself? Because that means that you're willing to put aside your pride and put aside what your ideals and recognize that this is a separate human being that you are now responsible for raising in the best way that you can. And that is acknowledging that they are different than you and that they are an individual human that you have the responsibility to feed and clothe and take care of their mental and emotional health. Like, can you do that? And, and if you can't, and if you're unsure, then don't adopt or keep sitting on it until you can. Like I said, I think that's just very wise. <laughs> very wise. Um, yeah. I know we're kind of nearing you can't too because so many kids need families. <laughs> I know. Like well, the, I really do. I know it's different, but I'm like, I really do. It's like, yeah, having a kid is going to uh, be a big choice regardless, right? And it's just like looking at the different, yeah, like you did, like really doing your research either way. And, uh, that it can, you know, like you said, like it can be good too. And this isn't even me saying like, well, I did it the right way because I didn't, like I learned a lot along the way. Like I was so naive going into this, so yeah. naive. but 
I did have the capacity to love these kids and I do like, and they all, all my kids biological not have birthmarks. And I love them because I've told them like, this is a piece of my heart. And ironically, my two that are adopted have two birthmarks. I'm like, do you see this? Like, this mm -hmm. is my heart and this is your birth mom's heart. And it's because when you're born, we give you a piece of our heart and we're not complete unless you're here. Like you, all of you together are what completes my heart. And that's what I tell my kids. And so they will tell people like, oh, look, this is a piece of my mom's heart, like <laughs> whatever. And, um, but like, I, I do, I believe that, that like that my goals and what I wanted before having kids changed drastically because now I'm not living my life for myself. I'm wanting to be the best person that I can for my kids. And, and that's, that's how my goals changed. Um, would it be cool to be a war correspondent? Yeah. Do I still want to join the reserves? Yeah. And I've been talking about it. <laughs> but, like I, I first want to make sure that I am doing everything I can so that I can be the best parent to them because by taking on those kids, biological and not, I have made the decision to put them first for right now. And, you know, well, probably forever, <laughs> but like, as they become adults, then you can start separating and letting them make their own choices and things. But like, this is, this is what I chose and I'm sticking to it. I think that like, it's interesting with your stories that you've, like you said, from like the age of 14, you were already like putting money aside for adoption. Cause you always felt like this was a strong, like calling, so to speak. Like you always just felt like that was going to be part of your life story was adoption, right? Like did you ever have moments of doubt, like either in the process or afterwards where you're like, maybe this isn't for me, or maybe this isn't. Oh yeah. Like, like maybe I've made a mistake or like, <laughs> um, the whole time, like through, through the whole process, that's, I totally had those thoughts the whole time. As soon as we had the kid, like well, as soon as I held the child, no matter what one it was, um, you know, even my 17 year old, the moment I, the moment she was here, I had made that commitment already. So I can say that like, soon as, soon as I had the child in my arms or, you know, the teen in my arms, um, I, I couldn't have those doubts anymore. So I blocked it out of my head because I've made the choice now. This is my choice, but leading up until that, oh yeah. <laughs> like constantly um, questioning things, especially when we went to adopt this last time, um, having remembered all the, all the anxiety started coming back from the first time we adopted. And I was like, oh, are we still doing this? Like, do we still want to go through with this? But um, the second, the second he was here, I had no doubt. So I shouldn't say I had no doubt. I couldn't, I couldn't, focus on those doubts. Now it's time to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. One last question. I'm like super, super intrigued just on getting your like perspective on this. If you like, obviously the adoption process, there's a lot of legalities and all that sort of stuff that just make it very difficult. But if you could change the adoption process in general, or like, what would you do? How would you improve it? Um, I would, I would make adoption not the number one goal. Um, what I mean by that is 
I think a lot of times women that become pregnant that are considering adoption, it's not because they don't want to be a parent, it's because they don't have resources um, to raise the child. Um, and so I think right now it's a money game. People see that if you place that baby, that means I get paid. Not me, but like mm-hmm. the agency or lawyers. So the focus isn't on the expectant parent. The focus should be on them while they're pregnant. It should be, how can we get you resources if your goal is to parent? How can we make this seem like a possibility for you so that you don't feel like, A, you're placing because you don't think you'd be a fit parent. B, you don't have the resources. C, outside pressures are for forcing you to place the baby whatever the reasoning may be because there's so many reasons there isn't it's not cut and dry but making sure that if their goal or wish deep wish is to parent that child and I think a lot of them wish they could I I would say a majority wish they could that they have those resources to do so and and I see that in other countries I think it's New Zealand they don't have adoption and it's because they help these women have these resources um, to parent and to raise. And it becomes, it takes a village. We live in a very not village community or like country um, based on, it's kind of a money, it's a money game right now. And so if I could change adoption, that's what, it wouldn't be for profit, first of all. So, yeah. Uh, I agree with you. (laughs) Just it's so frustrating when there when it is about money and you're like this money could be reallocated to yeah keep these the amount of money these lawyers and agencies get paid is disgusting Mm -hmm. like use that money to actually solve the issue rather than enhance the issue because it's the same with foster care too like the stipend that they give foster parents in a lot of cases if they gave that to the parents Mm -hmm. they might not feel like they have to give up their kids yeah yeah well and a lot of time that stipend that they get is forced out of the parents paychecks so they're paying these other families um to raise their child because the child was taken away and so I mean there's there's so many holes (laughs) that need to be fixed but there's the problem is we're in this cleanup mode versus like a preventative mode and so, and that's, that's the problem. How do we get in front of that? How do we now prevent versus hurting and trying to clean it up? What, what would you say the average adoption costs? Do you know? Or is it just totally varying? Um, I know, I know someone that paid a hundred thousand dollars, but I would say average um, between, I would say average is 30, um, 30 to 40. I think average, yeah, depending on what way you're going about it. Private adoption is a lot cheaper because you don't have to deal with agency, but you have the negative of you don't have anyone guaranteeing unless the adoptive parent is that the birth family has resources because with private adoption, you just have to pay a lawyer to finalize it and then you pay for your home study. So it is a lot cheaper. Um, that's just to get the kid. That's not like all of the stuff that you need to yeah. raise the kid and food and, you know, that's just yeah. to, to do the process. Did, Interesting. Did you have to do the home study again? Mm-hmm. Like what? Yeah, yeah. I was wondering about that. Yeah. 
So we did it a second time. This time was intense. Like they even asked us what my intimate life was like. I was like, cool. <laughs> like, like, what do you want to know? I just wrote, I'm like, it's good. <laughs> nice. I'm like, I don't know what you're wanting to say here, but I mean, I get why they would ask that question to make sure that there's no like trauma, like in right. that way, but um like the questions all make sense but they're pretty funny like as you're filling it out because <laughs> that's another thing that I'm sure adds up to if you have multiple yeah adoptions you can, father, you... a home study is valid for a couple years okay but I think it's only three years that could be wrong it could be less than that I cannot remember but since our first adoption was seven years ago we had to redo it mm-hmm. so yeah but yeah, that adds up. Yeah, it's hard though, not to keep harping on how terrible everything is. Sometimes people's hospital bills for births end up being that much too. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and, things, true. and things get complicated. Yeah. Um, we were really lucky because, so we had built our house, the same house that we built while we were living in the camper. <laughs> Full circle. Um, yeah. So we saved a lot of money because we built, built it by ourselves, me and my husband. And like, we'd have some subs come in and do things, but for the most part, we did most of the work. And um, then the housing market just barely just got, you know, crazy. So we sold our house um, right before we adopted. We just had a strong feeling to do that, um, which was hard because I was fighting that because I didn't want to, but we sold it and um, we moved into a rental that, just happened like I didn't even look at the rental beforehand I had applied for like 20 rentals but we were always second and it was first come first serve and so we kept like missing it just barely and so finally I this rental came on I didn't even look at the pictures I didn't look at the address nothing and I just like ran to the rental place I'm like I need this like this I'm first like and I got there in like 15 minutes and so we got this rental and I went up to see it and it <laughs> it had one more room than our house and that we were living in and it had like a bigger backyard and I was just like whoa like what are the chances and it was in my neighborhood that I grew up in okay. and which is crazy and so all of my neighbors well not all of them but like a huge majority are like people that I grew up with and they like they were friends with my parents and stuff and and so we moved in this house and we by selling our house then when everyone moved in with us which we were not anticipating so because of because of everything that lined up, like there were so many tender mercies that I could just go hours and hours on that just lined up that we then had enough space in our house for everyone to stay because we wouldn't have if we stayed in our last house. Um, we had, um, because we sold our house, we had money to be able to help fund a lot of this, which we wouldn't have if we wouldn't have sold our house. Like there's just like so many different things that lined up that I'm like, man, like, thank you. <laughs> like, I, and I mean, I do believe that like we were being watched out for and, and it's, it's cool. Now my favorite part of adoption is looking back and seeing the tender mercies that I didn't see in the moment. So. Well, thank you for sharing your, your story. I think this is for me, it's been really just intriguing. Like, I, I don't think I've talked to many people about their adoption experiences. So it's really cool to just hear your experience and just your vulnerability and sharing that. Thank you. Thanks for letting me just talk on and on. I'm oh, like, I loved it. I literally <laughs> was like sitting here just like captivated. I'm like, oh, this is exciting. Well, so thank you. Thanks for having me.
Yeah. Um, as with all of our guests, we ask, we end with one final question and that is what do you wish people knew? So Aubrey's life advice, <laughs> adoption related or not, what do you wish people knew? Um, oh, I was even thinking about it during, <laughs> it's so hard. What do I wish people knew? I think kind of going along with adoption and not, um, being aware of what your agenda is and making sure that if your agenda is different than the person that you're talking with or associating with, make sure that you recognize that and recognize where they're coming from because everyone, everyone has a different life story that has led them to where they were and why they believe what they believe. And if you can take the time to listen to that and learn their agenda of where they're going in life, um, you will be so much better for it. That's good advice. Great advice. I tried to be funny. It came out serious. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Seriously, Aubrey. And then um, do you want to- Adoption is you? good. Just be aware of that. <laughs> Um, do you want us to point to any of your socials or anything? Like if people have questions or we could just leave it as is. Um, I'm more than happy to answer questions. I talk to people about adoption all the time. Um, my Instagram's two peas from two peas from two pods, I think. Um, then that, that came when my oldest two were born. Um, but yeah, you're more than welcome to ask me any questions and, and I will help you research uh, unethical practices if you're looking at certain agencies just let me know awesome all right well thanks for joining us and we'll see you guys next week bye